0: Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. And I love to come here. I, I, like I said, I'm from Jacksonville, which means I fly almost every weekend, and I did yesterday. So you would think I would be used to it. Yesterday, we had the worst storm in Florida as I was taking off so I want y'all to know I've confessed everything I've ever done and uh, several things that I'm not sure of. So I want y'all to know I'm ready for revival. and uh, That's always wonderful. This is such a beautiful church. I, I love this ceiling. I, Brother Phil and I were talking earlier what a pretty church this is. And I'm so blessed to be with you. Pastor, thank you for the opportunity to come uh, during these days of revival. Now Here's what's going to happen. Uh, these days are going to go quickly. And I pray you'll redeem the time and be faithful. I have the privilege to do this almost every week. And I'm going to tell you it's going to be Wednesday before you turn around. Now, you already know that, but let me me encourage you this way. Sunday night is the single most important service in a short meeting. I don't understand why it works that way, but Sunday night kind of sets the tone for the week. And so I pray you'll be faithful and redeem the time. Now listen, I've got a word for the church tonight, for the body, and I pray you come. If you know somebody going through a discouraging time, tonight's a great time to get them here. And so I pray that you'll come, and it's going to be a great week in the Lord. Brother Philip. I've been blessed by the music today, haven't you? And uh, it's been wonderful in our choir and all the wonderful work they do to prepare and lead us into the presence of the Lord. Well, I want you to take your Bibles today and find 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a great miracle tucked over in 2 Kings 6 that I believe is appropriate for revival. I'm preaching today on this subject, have you lost something? Have you lost something? From 2 Kings 6, would you stand for the reading of the word of God? Everybody standing? I am in the 6th chapter of 2 Kings. I want to begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says in 2 Kings 6, 1, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, into Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick, and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Let me read that one more time. And the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee, and he put out his hand, and took it. I'm preaching today on this subject. Have you lost something? Have you lost something? May God bless the reading of his inerrant book. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege to stand here. Thank you for the opportunity to be in this fellowship with these wonderful believers. God, thank you for the great music today. The presence of the Lord that's in this place to lift up the name of our Savior. Now, God, I need your divine touch What I need, I cannot work up or manufacture. I cannot buy or borrow. I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So God, I pray that you would loose me and let me go. God, I come against my enemy, every devil and demon spirit. And we just confess out loud right now to any devil that can hear us, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God, would you do the preaching right now? And I promise we'll give you the glory. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Revelation 2.21, Jesus said, hold fast until I come again. In other words, that means don't lose what you've got. I love the story of the couple who'd been married for 65 years. One night they were watching television, came a commercial the man got up and walked over to the kitchen. And before he got to the kitchen, he turned to his wife and said, Sweetheart, I'm going to get me a snack. Can I bring you something? She said, Well, that's awfully sweet, dear. I'd like a bowl of vanilla ice cream. But you know how forgetful you are. You better write that down or you'll forget. He said, I got it, woman, vanilla ice cream. Anything else? She said, yeah. She said, I'd like some strawberries on top. But you know how forgetful you are. You'd better write that down or you'll forget. He said, I got it. Vanilla ice cream, strawberries. Anything else? She said, well, yeah, let's go all the way. You go ahead and put some whipped cream on them strawberries and put a cherry on top of that. But honey, that's a big, big order. That's a lot to remember. You're not forgetful you are. You better write that down or you'll forget. He glared at her for a minute, said, I got it. Said, vanilla ice cream, strawberries, whipped cream, cherry, anything else? She said, no, that'll do it. That old boy shuffled off to the kitchen. He was gone for 30 minutes. He came back with a plate of bacon and eggs and he set it down on the table right in front of her in the living room. She looked at it, shook her head and said, I knew you'd forget. Where's my toast? Now, now, son, I'm going to tell you, I think those folks were losing something, don't you? Hey, I want to ask you all a question. Are you losing something? Say, now, preacher, don't come to insult me today. Uh, what in the world can I lose? My mind is good. My body's good. I'm not losing nothing. No, but can I remind you that as Christians, we can lose something? While we're traveling from this place to heaven, there are some things we can lose. Now, let's clear it up right off the bat. One of those things is not your salvation. Hallelujah, you can't lose your salvation. Eternal life is eternal life, or God wouldn't call it that. He didn't call it five-year life or 10-year life. Bless God, he called it eternal life. So I'm saved forever. I cannot lose my salvation. But there's some things I can lose while I'm traveling to heaven. Oh, come on, son. I can lose my vision. I can lose my victory. I can lose my peace. I can lose my passion. I can lose my joy. I can lose my love. But one of the things I can lose if I'm not really careful is my power. I can lose my power. I can lose the cutting edge of serving God. That's what happened to a young preacher in 2 Kings chapter 6. What a story this is. Can I bring you up to speed? It is the story of a young preacher boy that lost something. Say, how do you know he's a preacher boy? Because he's going to a Bible college. It's a Bible college where the professor is Elisha. Son, who in the world wouldn't want to go to a Bible college with Elisha as the professor? And that year they have a record enrollment. They're growing by leaps and bounds. So they had to build a bigger place. I know that by verse 1. Look at 2 Kings 6.1. The sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, The place where we dwell with thee is too straight. The Hebrew word is small. Too small for us. So they're outgrowing their facilities, y'all. They had to build a bigger place. Can I remind y'all what these are? These are Bible college students. So they had no money. They didn't have enough money to hire an architect or draw a blueprint. They didn't even have any tools. The Bible said they went out and borrowed the tools. Now everybody check it out. These young guys are going out to the banks of the Jordan River where all the trees are. And the Bible said they're chopping down trees. And while one of them was chopping down a tree, the Bible said the axe head somehow came loose, shimmed up the axe handle and plop, fell into the muddy Jordan River. And the boy made an amazing discovery. Y'all know what it is? You can't chop a tree down without an axe head. Now son, I don't know if you understand it, but that'll preach right there. Don't you understand? What we do in the church is different than anywhere else. Son, you know what makes this crowd different than the NASCAR crowd or the football crowd or the concert crowd or the movie crowd? Don't you understand? This crowd is not fueled by the same things those crowds are fueled by. Son, we're not fueled by personalities or programs or plans or even preachers. We're fueled by the power of God. And we must have the power of God to do the work of God. So I want to ask you one more time, have you lost something? That's the best place to begin for revival. Have you lost something? If there's something you've lost today, there are three ways to get it back. Don't get good now, son. Mark it down. There are three ways to get it back. Number one, if you're going to get back what you've lost, don't miss this. You got to recognize the problem. Brother Phillips already said it. That's the key to revival. You got to recognize the problem gets good now. That get Elisha, go to Jordan, chop down trees. Look at verse four. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. Now, that's a simple verse, but it's very significant. They're cutting down wood. Everybody understand? They're not sleeping. They're not on a picnic. They're not having a dinner on the ground. They're chopping down wood. They're doing the work of God in the power of God. I love power. I'm one of those guys from the 60s that like loud stuff. I mean, I like loud stuff. I just like loud cars, muscle cars. I don't have one praying somebody will donate a 69 Camaro to my ministry with an eight track tape player, man. I mean, I love those. Can I get a witness, guys? I love those power cars. And I love power tools. I can't work them, Brother Jason. These hands were made to hold a Bible. Y'all understand? I mean, I don't have any particular skills beside this one, and this one may be limited. But I'm telling you, son, I've collected power tools. I can't work a bunch of them, but I got me a bunch of them. But I'll tell you the power tool I can work, son, is my power washer. I got me a power washer. Last Christmas a year ago, my wife got me a brand new power washer for Christmas. I used that power washer to wash the pollen off our house in Florida and chase cats out of the driveway because I'm a dog man. And I, and I don't want to offend anybody has got a cat. I don't kill them. I knock the fur off a little bit. But I, no, I'm playing. But I chase cats out of the driveway, man. Oh, listen, I got that power washer. Well, I got that thing down last spring. Oh, and the new power washer my wife Judy got me. Oh, son, it's awesome. My old power washer was four and a half horsepower. My new one's seven and three quarters. My new one was 2200 psi. That's pounds of pressure per square inch. My new one's 2700. I'm telling you, I got that thing out. I squeezed that trigger, and it's amazing. I'm washing stuff off the house. And my sweet wife came out in the yard. She does this frequently. Says, now, honey, be careful. Said, that's a lot more power than you're used to. I said, woman, I know how to handle this thing. I know what I'm doing. And she kept following me around the house. And I got in the backyard and then it happened. We've got two of these little old ceramic statues of Minnie and Mickey Mouse. About that big for our four little granddaughters. I blew Mickey's nose off, man. (laughs) I mean, son, I blew it off. And she got upset about that. But I, I said, honey, we can gorilla glue that back on. It's all right. But she kept watching. And I guess I was nervous, preacher. And I was up under our patio. And we got two ceiling fans. And boom, I blew one of the blades off one of them fans. And that thing went flying across the yard. My wife and I had two different reactions. She went, oh, no. And I went, Whoa I mean son I got so worked up I thought bless God we can buy a new blade Sealing fan blade But think about that power Brother Jason all I knew is I couldn't explain it But when I pressed that nozzle And that trigger That wind blew And a power came that I could not describe But it sure was fun to experience And everybody knows what I'm going to say But I'm going to say it anyway I can't describe the power of God All I know is this When the wind blows son it's awesome When the wind of the power of God blows God will blow the roof off our lethargy and apathy God will blow sleeping sinners and saints down the aisle When the wind of God blows God blows in revival Something wonderful happens when God's, God winds blow Folks, I want the wind to blow, don't you? I want it to blow in my life And I can understand that even while I'm doing the work of God, I can lose something and lose the power of God. What what a principle here in the word of God. There are three of them. Don't, Don't miss this. This guy recognized the problem because look when he lost it. Boy, this is so good. Number one, he lost it when he was busy. Boy, that'll preach right there. He lost it when he was busy. Look at verse five. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. Can I say it one more time, church? He didn't lose it while he was taking a nap. He didn't lose it while he went up around the bend to go fishing. He lost it while he was doing what he was supposed to do. Can I say that one more time? He lost it while he was doing what he was supposed to do. Now, folks, I'm preaching to somebody here that needs revival. And by the way, I'm going to say it one more time. Revival, as has already been said, to live again, to breathe the breath of God. Lost folks can't have revival. Lost folks need revival. You got to have Bible before you have revival. But once in a while, we Christians need revival. That means the breath of God to blow on us again. We need revival. Because sometimes, not while we're living in sin, not while we're committing sins of the world, but while we're doing what we're supposed to do, we can lose the power of God. I love you when I preach this. Choir, you can be in your place every Sunday and sing without the power of God. So you can be at your post every week and do what you're doing without the power of God. Teacher, you can open that book every week and teach without the power of God. Pastor Jason and I can preach without the power of God. Brother Philip can lead worship without the power of God. In other words, while we're doing what we're supposed to do, you know who needs revival? Folks who are doing what they're supposed to do, those are the folks that need revival. This guy was busy when he lost it. Now, this is good. Don't miss this. He wasn't only busy when he lost it. Boy, I like this one. Number two, he was bothered that he lost it. He was busy, then he was bothered, and boy, this will preach right here. And by the way, this is an old sermon. Say, how long has it been since you preached this? It's been a long time. And I don't know who in the house needs this today, but I do, son. I'm telling you, I'm preaching exactly what this preacher needs to hear. Look at verse 5. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell in the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master. Now, for those who think I'm being dramatic, there's an exclamation point in your Bible. That word, alas, can I tell you what that means in the Hebrew? Oh, no. I'll go ahead and shout it. Oh, no. That's what that guy did. In other words, the Bible said he's chopping wood. The axe head falls in the water. And dramatically, it's a word of pathos, an exclamation. He cries, oh, no. Now, you know what I love about that? Because it's the key to revival. He didn't shrug his shoulders and say, oh, well. He said, oh, no. Because it bothered him. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, son, it ought to bother us. It ought to bother us when we don't see God working. It ought to bother us when God's not moving. It ought to bother us when we've reached a place of coldness or lethargy in our life. It ought pl- to bother us when Bible stories have suddenly become old to us and praise songs, Brother Philip, that we know no longer ring our bell. It ought to bother us. It ought to bother when we're used to the songs and the stories. It ought to bother us. It ought to bother us when we don't see God moving. And don't you dare sit there and say, Well, you're just too emotional. You mighty right. I'm going to go ahead and get this off my heart, son. It bothers me, these Christians that talk about being emotional in church and they get worked up about everything else in the world, son. I mean, that bothers me. I get weary sometimes of preaching in dead churches, and, preacher, I'm in dead churches. Folks, I've been in over 1,500 Baptist churches. Now, I'm in churches where you want to holler breathe. I'm in churches where you want to take a pulse. I mean, preacher, I see these poor worship leaders trying to pump people up like a balloon, trying to get them happy. I thought I'd seen it all until a few years ago I was in a church where a worship leader looked at that dead bunch and said folks we got victory in Jesus hold your V up and folks held the V up and he said now take them and put them in the corners of your mouth and push your and I'm thinking son you couldn't lift the corners of some Baptist mouths with a crane man I mean they're miserable son I mean they just look like they're half dead son and so listen I'm not being emotional but I'm going to tell you this is the day the Lord has made I'm going to tell you The King of Glory is on the throne, and it's all right to get worked up in church about the things of God. I'm not talking about running around the aisle. I'm not talking about falling out and and slobbering and spitting and speaking in words folks don't understand. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. I didn't mean to say all that, but bless God, it's out now, son. It ought to bother us. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. It ought to bother us when our prayer life is dull. it ought to bother us when we're not seeing miracles. It ought to bother us when souls aren't being saved. It ought to bother us. So this old boy was busy when he lost it. It's good now. Second, he was bothered that he lost it. But number three, it was borrowed when he lost it. He was busy. He was bothered. It was borrowed. Boy, this will preach. Look at verse five. As one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, the last master, for it was what? Say it. Borrowed. That word borrowed comes from a word that means to give an account. Can I go ahead and say it real clearly? If you you, you lose something that don't belong to you, you either stole it or you borrowed it. I need to say that one more time. If you've lost something that doesn't belong to you, you either stole it or you borrowed it. Now, folks, we can only steal one thing from God according to the word of God, and that's the tithe. That's a whole different sermon, so relax. Get your hand off your wallet. I'm not gonna preach on that this morning. Oh, come on, son, don't look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some Baptists get redneck mad when you start talking about money, son. <laughs> the most sensitive nerve in their body runs from their ear to their wallet. Am I telling the truth? It's the truth, man. I'm not gonna preach about money, mm, so Relax. The Bible says I can steal the tithe, but boy, this is so good, preacher. I can't steal his power. He chooses to let me use it. Let me say that one more time. He chooses to let me use it. God has chosen to let me and you use his sovereign, supernatural power. But it's borrowed. Can, can I sum up point one by reminding you, everything you've got is borrowed. If you've got any gift or ability or talent or possession, that's not yours. It's borrowed. It's borrowed. Everything you've got is on loan from God. Sir, have you the ability to stand and preach? And folks, listen to that preaching. That's not your ability. God gave that to you. It's borrowed. Have you the ability as our brother to stand and sing beautifully and lead folks or sing on a praise team or sing a solo or sing in a group? That's not your ability. That's borrowed. It's on loan to you. Have you the ability, man or woman, to take the Bible and teach a class like you've taught this morning and folks want to hear you teach? That's not your ability. That's on loan to you. That's borrowed. Have you the ability to sort of make executive decisions for the administrative help of the church? God's given you that keen mind. That's not yours. It's on loan. It's borrowed. It. Have you the ability to counsel people that are hurting That's not your ability, it's on loan, it's borrowed. And you know I'm gonna say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Everything we've got is on loan from God and one day the keeper of the tools is gonna come and demand what we've done with those borrowed tools. So we can't just sit, we we can't go backwards. We can't be stagnant. We must have an up-to-date, fresh relationship with the Lord so God's power is flowing in our lives. Gotta recognize the problem. Watch before I go to point two. The problem is this, I need revival. I gotta recognize it doesn't matter what he needs or she needs or she needs or the person sitting next to me needs. I've got a place in my life where I need a fresh touch from God. I need revival. Number one, you gotta recognize the problem. Boy, I need this one. Number two, you gotta return to the place. That's so simple. Number one, recognize the problem. Number two, return to the place. Look what it says now in verse number five. But as one was felling a beam, the ax head fell in the water. He was busy when he lost it. He cried and said, alas, master, it bothered him that he lost it. For it was borrowed and it was borrowed when he lost it. So he recognizes the problem. But now watch what verse six says. And the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place. Now he returns to the place. Preacher, when I hear that phrase in the Bible, where fell it or where did it fall? And it reminds me of my wife. Oh, yes, it does. My wife's big on that stuff. She'll say, where did you have it last? Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, if you've been married for over 20 years, I'm going to start with 20, probably before then. But if you've been married at least 20 years, though you love your spouse with all your heart, can we get real? One of the chief purposes for staying married is to help each other find lost stuff. (laughs) Can I get a witness? How many heard this statement in your house this week? Where are my keys? Where's my checkbook? Where's my toupee? Oh, shut up. It's not that funny, all right? Where's, where's my computer cord? Where, where's this? Where's, and my wife, she's amazing. She'll say the same thing every time. Honey, where did you have it last? You know, there's a real biblical principle there. Can I tell you why? Mark this down. The place of departure is always the place of recovery. I need to say that one more time. The place of departure is always the place of recovery. I was preaching in Ohio a couple of years ago and it was winter time. It was like 14 below zero winter time. I mean, and during those months of the year, whether I come, I've been preaching, I was in Lebanon a few years ago in January and y'all had a nice storm. Boy, on those weeks, I take my top coat with me because I put that on my body after perspiring preaching and go back to my hotel or wherever I'm going. And that night, son, I put my top coat on. It was real cold. I went back to my room, I think the next day, that night was 14 below zero. That was that terrible last storm. I think it was 2014. I went back to my hotel and I walked in the indoor hotel like I'm at the beautiful hotel the church has provided this week. And when I walked in, I walked in and I think I had some books under this arm from our book table, I had my Bible and I had my, my card key to get in the room in one hand. So I put it in this hand and I grabbed my rental car keys like the rental car I've got this week and I dropped the rental car keys in the pocket of the top coat. And I opened the door and went in. Then the next day was my study day. I always have a day that I study. Brother Jason's graciously given me that this week, and I do office work and stuff like that. So I stayed in all day. I usually fast on those days. And so I really didn't do anything all day except work in the Word of God. And I got ready to go to church that night, and I'm a little OCD. So I laid my clothes out and got ready to go and started to get ready to go to church. Got everything on, put the top coat on, got ready to go out the door, realized I didn't have my car keys. Now that's unusual because I always lay those car keys out. So I said, well, they're over in the nightstand by the bed. I went over there and the keys weren't in the nightstand. And so I began to look for them very casually at first. Don't look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about, man. I began to look at the the desk and I began to look on the, 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 the counter thing where the television was and the chest of drawers. And I looked on the bed because, you know, sometimes some of those bed spreads in hotels look like camo or something. And so I'm looking on, on the bed and look, well, it, it's been about six or seven minutes now and I'm getting a little agitated. I am. I'm just getting upset. And, and then it's like 10 minutes and 10 minutes and I I'm starting to. Sweat. Sorry to say perspire, but boys, I sweating. And I took that top coat off and laid it down on the desk chair. And now I'm getting a little more animated because I never want to be late. And I had like a 20-minute ride to church that week. I dropped down, looked under the skirting on the bed. And I looked again on the papers on the desk. And I'm I'm looking all over the place. And folks, I'm not kidding. It's been 12 or 13 minutes, and I'm pretty much in the flesh now. And I'm calling myself names. Dummy, dummy. You can memorize whole sermons, but you can't remember where your car key's are. What's wrong with a grown man like that? And and I'm looking everywhere. And and then I just, I got crazy. It's been 15 minutes now. And I about lost my mind. I took my other coat off. And so I grabbed the bedspread and threw it on the floor. Because I thought if that keys are laying in there, they'll fly up in the air. Then I went over the desk and I got the papers and threw them on the floor. You know, rummaging through them. Went to the the, the desk where uh, the the counter thing where I had all my clothes. Because I unpack everything on the road. And I'm taking underwear out. And socks out And handkerchiefs out And throwing them on the floor And I surveyed that scene After I don't know 16, 17 minutes And I'm looking There's a bedspread on the floor There's underwear on the floor There's paper Look like a teenager's room I mean everything Can I get a witness? Y'all know what I'm talking about Everything is laying on the floor And finally my wife's words Come back to my head Where did you have them last? I thought you know She's a smart woman by the way I thought you know The last place I think I dropped them in my top coat pocket You know the one that was on my body 20 minutes before And I walked over And went in the pocket of those Of that top coat And y'all know what was there Oh the keys Y'all know where they were They were exactly where I left them I didn't say that one more time They were exactly where I left them Friend You know where your peace is It's exactly where you left it. You know where your marital happiness is? It's exactly where you left it. You know where your passion is? It's exactly where you left it. You know where your vision is? It's exactly where you left it. I'm going to say it one more time. The place of departure is always the place of recovery. Now, folks, before I wrap this simple sermon up, I I don't want to get cruel, but I want to get real straight because I'm preaching to good godly people. I want to suggest some places that whatever you lost, you might have left. At that place. Look at that verse one more time. Verse 6. I'll do this very quickly. And the man of God said where fell it? And he showed him the place. The location. Everybody watch this. That's the muddy Jordan River. You understand? The muddiest river in Israel. It's not a clear spring. It's not a clear creek. It is brown. When that axe head fell into that water. It went down to the bottom of the Jordan River. Though it might have been shallow. The man could not see it. The sun was not shining off of it. Gleaming through the water. It was brown, murky water. It fell in there. All he knew was this. I cannot see it. All I know is that's the last place I had it. Now, I love you, but I'm going to get real straight because it's revival. I'm just going to very quickly suggest some places while you were doing what you were supposed to do, you might have lost something. Number one, it might have fallen in the murky waters of your schedule. I need to say that one more time. I'm not belittling. I'm not preaching down on anybody. We are the busiest generation in American history. And many Christians say the words of the most popular words of our generation. My plate is full. And I know everybody's plate is full. I'm not being unkind. Young parents you are running your kids everywhere. We got banned in school and travel ball and everything else. I understand all that. I'm not belittling any of that. But I'm telling you, we're living in a busy day, even with all the tech toys we've got today. We're the busiest generation in American history. But I want to suggest something to you. Sometimes the devil will allow good things in your life to take away the best things. And you'll get so busy that you'll wake up one day and realize, man, I don't spend time in the word like I used to. I don't have time to kneel in prayer like I used to. The things of God are not as important as they used to. And by the way, I'm going to throw this in for no charge. I do congratulate people for coming to church, making an effort. You don't have to come to church. And I congratulate folks for coming at night. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. People do what they want to do. Those folks that knocked themselves out to get to the Predators game last night wanted to go. Those folks that are knocked themselves out for the Titan games on Sunday afternoon want to go. They do it in my city for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But who in the world wants to see the Jaguars play, man? But I mean, people do what they want do. to they do. They'll change their schedules, rearrange their lives. I love, I'm loose with this now. I hadn't meant to say all this. There's some of you that have already made up your mind. This is the only service you'll come to revival because you got this and this and this and this. But remember Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and everything else will fall into place. And maybe while you were doing what you were supposed to do, it fell in the murky waters of your schedule. I love you. If it didn't fall in the murky waters of your schedule, let me give you a second one. Maybe it fell in the muddy waters of your storms. Maybe some storm blew into your life that you did not expect. Dr. Adrian Rogers was my favorite preacher. Dr. Rogers said it like this. The storms of life will either make us bitter or they'll make us better. They'll draw us closer to the Lord or they'll push us away. And maybe while you were doing what you were supposed to do, that bad doctor's report or that unexplainable death or that broken relationship or that physical breakdown, something happened in your life and you've gotten distant from the Lord. Maybe if you go back to that place, if it didn't fall in the mur- murky waters of schedule or the muddy waters of storm, let me give you this one, I'll go to my last point. Maybe it fell in the messy waters of sand. Maybe you've just got unconfessed sin in your life. There's a church in Tennessee over in Bristol that I've gone to many times in these, I've been a traveling evangelist 29 years. I go every couple of years. I don't know, preacher, four or five years ago, I went to that church and there was a man that met me one night at our book table. He was a deacon and I recognized him by face, but not by name. He said, Br- brother Rick, can I talk to you? I said, absolutely. We slipped over in a corner somewhere. He said, can I confess I don't want to be here? I said, really? Really? He said, Brother Rick, I don't want to. He said, I'm a deacon. My wife's in the choir. Both of us teach Sunday school, but I don't want to be here. He said, my, my, my preacher's sermons do not thrill me anymore. I, I don't like praise and worship. I quit listening to it in the car. He said, it just, it just doesn't ring my bell. Those are the words he uses. He said, I like you very much, but I'm just coming this week out of duty. He said, I'm a deacon, and I'm worried about what folks will say, and I represent something in this church, but I really have no desire to go to church anymore. I said, this is serious. I said, we need to meet tomorrow night. He and I met the next night a little earlier and slipped over to an empty room somewhere. I said, how long is this going on, brother? He said, about a year. He identified it. Y'all know what he did? He recognized the problem. He said, it's been about a year. Then all of a sudden, as we began to talk, that man began to cry. The first emotion he had shown, he said, preacher, I'm addicted to online pornography. He said, it's been about a year now. He said, I stumbled onto it accidentally. And he said, I'm so addicted that I can't stand it. He said, i got to have it all the time. I've got to look at it all the time. Folks, you know what that man did? He returned to the place. When he went back to the place, he realized that's the place where everything was severed. And by the way, we got him some help. I brought his pastor in then, told his pastor he was willing to admit to his pastor. The man believed he was saved. The man believed he knew God. But he had gotten so far away that stronghold had built up in his life. Pastor got some help with a wonderful Christian counselor. You know the bondage was broken and that man was set free through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I went back to that church two years later about a year or so ago. That man met me at the front door. With a glow on his face, the glow of Jesus, you could just tell. He didn't have to say a word. He said, preacher, I've never been deeper in the book. I've never enjoyed serving anymore as a deacon. I've never been so thrilled to come to church. He said, I can't wait to get back to church. Y'all know what that man did? He went back to the place. He confessed his sin. I'm not suggesting you're into online pornography. I'm not suggesting you're immoral. I'm not suggesting you're social drinking. I'm suggesting this. Maybe there's something in your life that has happened, and sin is sin. It might be what we call a small sin, but there's some unconfessed sin in your life. If you go back to the place and confess that sin, God will move in your life again. Number one, you got to recognize the problem. Number two, got to return to the place. Number three, and I'm done. And this one's so simple, it's almost embarrassing to say. Number three, got to reclaim the power. It's that simple. Check it out, son. Look at verse six. And the man of God said, where fell it? He showed you the place and he cut down a stick. By the way, we don't have time. It's lunchtime. I know some of y'all are ready to go. Son, I'm going to tell you right now, about every time a stick gets cut in the Bible, something good happens. I mean, you do a Bible study sometimes, son. Oh, come on, son, Moses. Moses had that big old rod in his hand. God said, throw it down. And that stick became a snake. God said, pick it up. Now, by the way, I'm throwing this in for no charge. I'm not adding the word of God, but I hate snakes. I hate them all. Red, yellow, black, or white. They're all the devil's relatives. They're all going to burn in hell. Can I get a witness? The only, good, the only good snake is a dead snake. I hate them all, son. And so I know as a preacher, son, if God had told me to pick up that snake, by the way, I really believe that's where Moses might have got his stuttering problem. God said, Moses, blah, 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 God. Now, I don't have any scriptural evidence for that. I'm just throwing that in, son. He picked up that snake, and it became a stick again. Son, if it hadn't become a stick, it wouldn't have stayed in my hand very long. I'm going to tell you that right now. About every time a stick gets cut in the Bible, something good happens. And by the way, I'm going to throw this in. that You know Jesus is called the righteous branch. And you know, he was cut on a tree that was made of wood. Can I get a witness? And every time a stick gets cut in the Bible, something good happens. There's a miracle. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible said he cut a stick down, threw it in that river. And the Bible said that the iron did swim. Now, you might have a Bible translation that says float, but that's all right. It's the same Hebrew word. Literally, float or swim means this. It came to the top. Literally, it means to overflow. And it began to move downstream. It didn't do the backstroke or the breaststroke, but it began to move. Some battleships do that. Cruise ships do that. Axe heads can't do that. You know why? Because it's called a miracle. The thing floated to the top, and begin to move. Now watch this. This is good. Now I'm going to tell you what many people today would have done. Woo! Some they'd have thrown their hands up. someone would have got their cameras out, put it on YouTube, started an axe head floating ministry or something like that, and run down the banks with, with all kind of goosebumps. Whoa, we got a floating axe head. Floating axe head. Floating axe head. So it'd go viral overnight if it happened today. But it would have meant nothing. The goosebumps would have meant nothing. Running up and down the bank would have meant nothing. Taking pictures of it would have meant nothing if it hadn't happened in verse seven. Therefore said he, take it up to thee and he put out his hand and what? So said, you can watch it all day. You can watch it float all day. You can get excited about the miracle all day, but it means nothing to you until you reach out and take it. You know what that's called? That's called revival. I've been doing this a long time. Brother Philip, you talking about revival this morning. I was in Missouri earlier this year and a preacher said something to me that has never hit me until this year and it has resonated in my heart. He said, the average Christian has just as much God as we want. Wow. You let that soak in your soul a second. The average Christian has just enough God as we want, just as much of God as we want. And he reached out. And took it. A few years ago, it was this time of the year earlier, our ministry still has a big student camp, that I'm turning more and more authority over to my son who works for our ministry. But I still do the teaching at the camp, write the curriculum. So I was writing that curriculum and it was headed for the printers. It was <laughs> deadline time. Long Before God gave me this sermon. And I was in the Midway Airport in Chicago because I've been preaching in Indiana, wonderful country church in Indiana, just outside of Chicago. Pastor said, Rick, I've got to take you. My flight was at 12 that day to go back to Florida. He said, Rick, I've got to take you to the airport at nine. As a matter of fact, I've got to drop you off at nine, pick you up earlier than that. He said, I've got to go to hospitals today and hospital day in Chicago is an all day thing. He said, I had to go to the, go to the hospital and I'm going to drop you off. I hate to do it. I said, preacher, that'd be wonderful. I said, drop me off. I'll go through security and I'll go down there and be quiet at my gate that time of morning. I'll go find a quiet place and I'll work on my camp stuff. So I took my computer out that day. I wasn't pre-checked or anything and had to go through the belt and all that stuff and took all my stuff and shoes and all and got, I was only about like 100 yards from the security where I went through. And I got down there and I thought, you know, I hadn't had breakfast yet. I think I'll get me a little brain food, man. So I got, got a little light breakfast and then I started walking around. I'd not been to Midway in a long time. I'm looking around that airport. found some cool stuff Before I know it, I'd kill like an hour and a half. So I thought, you know, I'll just wait till I get to Atlanta. I got like an hour and a half layover in Atlanta today, a little longer layover. It's going to take me a little while to get home. I'll get the computer out and I'll start working then. Got to Atlanta, waiting on that plane to Jacksonville, and I opened my bag to take my computer out, and it wasn't there. I left it in Chicago. I left my laptop. I don't know where my keys are. I don't know where my computer is. I and mean, it's amazing how a grown man can exist on the road like I do. I was so mad at myself. I flew home, called Chicago Airport. Finally, after all these recordings and all these buttons, all these uh, places I had to go, all these extensions, I finally got through. The guy said, uh, please don't beat yourself up. People leave them on the belt all the time. Didn't help me one bit. I was so mad at myself for leaving that computer. He said, but we have a lot of computers left every day. Yours may be here. Let me go check it. What does it look like? I said, you'll be able to find it. It's silver with an apple on it. (laughs) I really told him that. He busted out laughing. I needed that little comic relief there that day. I was so mad at myself. He said, what does it look like? I said, if you'll take that Apple computer, you'll open it up and turn it on. When that thing comes on, you're going to see four of the most beautiful granddaughters you've ever seen. They're magnificent. They're all five, four, three, and two. They all got the same little colored dress on. They'd all gather miles mouths to have that. I said, you're going to see them. They got little blue dresses on. He came back in a few minutes. He said, I got it. I said, I'm fixing to stick it in the mail to you. No charge. I was so blessed. He said, I'm going to send it back to you because apparently it happens all the time. I'm going to send that back to you right now. And then he said this, and this will preach. This before God gave me the sermon, we're fixing to bow our heads. He said, what gate were you at? And I told him, here's what he said. He said, boy, it's a pity. He said, you know, if you'd have just turned around, that computer wasn't very far from where you left it. (laughs) Bow with me all over the building. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Whatever you've lost is not very far from where you left it. Not very far. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed all over the house? Pastor Jason is coming to the front. I'm going to pray and Brother Philip's going to begin to play. He'll lead us in some singing perhaps. But after the prayer, the music will begin and our invitation, which has really started now, will be started. Pastor Jason is standing in the front. Here's who needs to come. First of all, somebody may need to get saved. I've already said, I know I've preached to the church and I will tonight, but you don't need revival, you need Bible. If you die today, you'd die without God and go to hell. Our choir's already sung about it. He's our Savior. He wants to save your soul today. Walk down the side and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Then I'll encourage somebody to come and say, Preacher, I need to be baptized. I've been saved, but I need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism." You ought to do that. Obedience brings revival. Then somebody here might want to move your letter and go to work in this church. I always encourage folks to do that during revival because I've already said it. Obedience brings revival. Pastor Jason, this is the only morning, I'm only service. I'm going to do this. The altar will be open for prayer at every service, obviously, but I want us to call us corporately to prayer today. It's the only service I'll do it. It's not about seeing people walk an aisle. I'm going to invite you all over the building to come pray. And in a moment, I'm going to make this statement. I'm going to say if you've lost something, I want you to come reclaim it. I'll invite you to leave your seat and come kneel around this altar. If you need to speak to the man of God, he's right here. But you tell God what you've lost. You tell God what you need to touch on in your life. All over the building. Maybe it's one of those three things we talked about in returning to the place. Maybe it fell there and you know you need to go back to that place. It's the only service I'm going to invite you to corporately pray for revival. Because if you haven't lost something... I'm inviting brother Jason, this congregation on the first Sunday of revival together and pray for revival. Some of you may not physically be able to kneel, but you want to join us as we seek God all around the front, wrapping around the stage. you got a place to kneel. God, I've had a wonderful time preaching today. I thank you for this church. God, I've been encouraged just in this first service, just meeting these friendly folks and being in this place. God, you're obviously doing something at Rocky Valley. You're doing something in this place. But God, we want a fresh touch. God, we desire revival. God, we desire to meet with you this week. God, would you do something this week that we can't explain except to say that God has done it? That no man could take credit. It would be so supernatural and so indescribable. And we'll ask you to do it, God. And we'll give you the glory for it, God. And we'll praise you for it right now. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Not because we're trying to keep a secret. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The music's beginning right now. And as the music begins, as our brother plays, I want to make this statement. If you've lost something, I want you to come reclaim it. The altar's open. If you've lost something, I want you to step out and come. If you desire to pray for revival, I'm going to join you. It's the only service I'm going to invite you to do that. You step out right now, right now